folks, only the NFL could have two COVID-related situations and handle one of them so perfectly, so flawlessly, and handle the other one like they're Anthony Lynn calling plays in the red zone. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by my incredible friends at Nerd Tees, and welcome to Lucky Lucky Week number 13 of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2020 NFL football season and postseason, and hey... I'm going to call week 12 a successful week. You'd always like to be a little bit better when it comes to certain betting picks, but man, straight up and even against the spread, I'm going to call week 12 a win. First of all, obviously we're talking about week 12 in terms of 15 of the 16 games that were on the schedule. The Baltimore-Pittsburgh game is not going to be played now until Wednesday, and that is the aforementioned Anthony Lynn type situation where the NFL has the very obvious answer right in front of their nose, which is to have the Ravens forfeit the game. And that's that's my strong, strong opinion on that situation. The Ravens should have forfeited that game because now you've delayed the game, what, three times, four times maybe? And the Steelers have been ready to play this game since Thursday. And now they've had to wait until almost a full week later. You either forfeit this game to the Steelers or you take the game and move it to week 18. And I realize the NFL doesn't want to lose games. The NFL doesn't want to have to do week 18 if they don't have to. Guess what? You have to. You have a team with a full-blown outbreak. So that's my opinion on that one. And we'll talk about the other COVID-related situation when we talk about the Denver Broncos game. But this is the situation I think the NFL has completely punted. But in any case... 15 of the 16 games, hey, I got 12 of them right straight up. That's an excellent straight up week. 12 and 3 so far on that week. 112, 63, and 1 on the season. Just over 63.5% correct. Against the spread, I'm going to take it as a win against the spread as well. 8, 6, and 1 on my spread picks last week. I'm still 12 games underwater uh, on the season at 80, 92, and 4. But look, following up on uh, week 11 when I was 3 and 11, I'm certainly going to take an 8, 6, and 1 week. On the totals, 6 and 9 in the 15 games. Obviously would like that to be better, but that's just a representation of how my season has gone as a whole. Picking the totals, 73, 100, and 3. I got my 100th over under loss and stay tuned later in the episode because we're going to be doing something fun with a couple of the games and the totals platinum gold silver and bronze picks from last week i completely whiffed on the gold pick which was the indianapolis colts getting absolutely stuffed by the tennessee titans nice thanksgiving pun there by the tune of 45 to 26 so i lost across the board there Against the spread, I was even money, 2-2. Two and two. I did tell you to take the Saints to cover minus 15. That was a pick change that I made officially in the comment section of the YouTube video and managed to just barely hold on to the Monday Nighter last night at Seattle minus 5. 
missed all four of the totals from last week. Taking a look at both the Bridgewater's Finest and the Ante and Co. straight up pick'em pools in 2020. In the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I've moved up now into a tie for 12th place out of 38. 972 out of 1,383 possible confidence points, just over that 70% clip, which is where I definitely like to be. And in week 12, brought in 97 of 120 points. That's a clip just over 80%. Shout out to our Week 12 winner, More Than a Tealin, a name I've said multiple times over the years on this show. 101 of the 120 confidence points that More Than a Tealin brought in this week. That's an 84.2% clip, and it was good to win Week 12. And last week I said I wasn't going to say this person's name because, you know, I had a new sponsor, didn't know how they'd like it. Uh, but I said to them in the comments section that if they held on for another week, they'd leave me no choice. Crack on COVID remains the overall leader in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool. 1,008 out of 1,383 confidence points, just under 73% on the season. That is an excellent year so far. Crack on COVID continues to lead the way. In the Ante and Co. pool, I've moved up into a tie for 13th out of 33, going again 12 for 15 last week. Four teams tied for the Week 12 win, including myself going 12 and 3 on the week. That's obviously an 80% clip. And my boy West Coast Martin remains the overall leader with 120 straight-up correct picks this season, a three-game lead over second place. And if we're going to have a great week straight up and we're going to have even, you know, a pretty good week against the spread, there's got to be some give back somewhere. Unfortunately, that came in Fantasy Corner, which is now presented again by the Dynasty Trade Calculator. As far as I'm concerned, folks, the number one resource online for Dynasty keepers doesn't matter what the organization of your league is you could be a super flex you could be a half ppr you could have a tight end premium you could have running back points per carry you could have individual defensive players like i do it does not matter the dynasty trade calculator has you covered on player evaluations trade evaluations podcasts rankings everything your little dynasty playing and loving heart desires Plans beginning as low as $3 on the Dynasty Trade Calculator. Make sure you hit up my affiliate link that is in the description below. So again, I gave it back in Fantasy Corner this week, only going a projected 1-5 and five because once again, if this game is played on Wednesday, stats from those games will count for Week 12. So right now I'm only projected to be 1-5. and five. Projected to lose in the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League for just the second time this season to Fresh Prince of Elaire. And I have absolutely lost in the Progs League to the Gracie Manor Ghouls. That is my boy Chris Carter. I moved down to 5-7 and seven in the Progs League and will need a lot of help. Still not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Only six make it. But I will need to win in Week 13, which right now I'm projected to lose. I need to win in week 13 and get a lot of help. So not only do I need to win, I need to win big. And I'll take this opportunity to remind you, as I always do, that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, you can find all of my results from last week, 
all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week 13 in the NFL. You can find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest and Anti and Co. straight up pick em pools. Remember, join, win a week, you get shouted out on the show. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, and you can find information on my great friends and sponsors at Nerd Tees. I have a question for you good folks. What's better than dessert after supper? The answer is dessert at 10 o'clock in the morning. Nerdtees.ca, hit that promo code BWFINEST. You can save your 15%. You can get free shipping in Canada on an order over 100 bucks. You can get a great conversion rate on the US dollar. And like me, you can enjoy a delicious cup of a dessert-style tea at 10 in the morning. Today, I'm enjoying a piping hot cup of white truffle, and it is delicious. Smells great. My kitchen smells like a bakery when I make this cup of tea. It's tremendous, but there are dozens and dozens of other blends on nerdtees.ca. You can find something for yourself. You can find something for that hard-to-buy someone on your Christmas list. I don't think it's too late, but it's getting awful close. Make sure you get to nerdtees.ca. Make sure you hit that promo code BWFINEST. Save your money. Get your free shipping. Find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on nerdtees.ca. As we start getting closer to the regular season, I would start expecting some more favorites to start hitting. I mean, look, on the season so far, the favorites are only hitting 43% of the time. They're only covering the spread just over 43%. That's a very low margin. But when you're talking about teams that are favorites this time of year, you're looking at teams with playoff aspirations trying to round into form at just the right time. I would expect some more favorites to start hitting, but let's take a look at the slate of games that we have for this week. We're going to begin in Atlanta with the Falcons coming off of a massive dominance over the Raiders last week. At home, they got to play host to a division rival, New Orleans. A lot of people believing that a performance like Atlanta put on last week against the Raiders is too little too late, but at 4-7... and seven, they're not dead dead. They would need to hit a real hot streak here and get some help down the line. But remember, with that seventh team making the playoffs in the NFC, and if they have to go to a week 18, they may do eight in each conference. So there, there's that possibility that, man, even a team like Atlanta at four and seven, if they can get on a hot streak here, they may not be done. But speaking of a hot streak, they would need to start playing like the New Orleans Saints have been playing for basically the vast majority of this season. Eight straight wins for New Orleans. They're 5-1 at home. They're 4-1 on the road. They have not yet lost a game inside this division at 4-0. and New Orleans, obviously a team whose offense is looking a little bit different lately. With Taysom Hill, he had a pretty impressive first start. His last two have been kind of hit and miss. The Saints have a couple of other things going against them too. It's the second half of back-to-back -back road games for them. They're also going to enter this game without Janoris Jenkins in the secondary at cornerback. He injured his knee last week, did not return to the game last week. I would put him as uncertain for his status right now, certainly far from a certainty that he will be in the lineup, and that would be a hit to the Saints' pass defense, especially going up against a team that just hung 43 points last week. 
That said, the Saints don't tend to make a lot of mistakes with the ball. They're definitely on the positive side of things in terms of turnover differential. So they're generating more than they're giving up. And I think if they're able to control the ball, control the clock a little bit, maybe, I don't know, with a guy like Alvin Kamara, possibly, you kind of forget that you have that guy on your roster. Maybe with a little more ball control like that, I really don't think the Saints are going to lose this game. Look, I've got to see them lose in the division before I would start thinking it would happen more often. I don't think that's going to happen this week. I'm going to take the Saints on the road in Atlanta to beat the Falcons. But as a reflection of how close this game actually is coming off of Atlanta's performance last week and the things that are going against the Saints... The Saints are only three-point favorites here. They're a road favorite, but it's only by a field goal. I like them to win. That's a relatively small price to pay, especially given that in New Orleans' four division games so far this season, their margin of victory is 16 points. It's more than four times, more than five times higher what this spread, higher than what this spread is. It's sometimes it's tough to speak English this early in the morning. So I'm going to lay those three points on New Orleans. That feels like a pretty solid bet to me. Total in this game is set at 46. And the very first game is where we get to introduce the new way we're going to handle some of these totals this week. Now there's only, I think, four games that we're going to do this with, but we might as well get it started right away. So I have the game capped a particular way, obviously. But also, obviously, considering that my over-under record is what it is, my capping skills are how you say, <clears throat> So what we're going to do is we are literally going to flip a coin. We're going to flip three coins. In fact, we're going to be using the random.org coin flipper. We're going to be flipping three of the Todd Redden Decision Maker coin. Now, if you've never seen this, you can Google it. But one side of it says, do it. And the other side of it says the hell with it. So we're going to flip three of these coins. And if it lands two or three on do it, then I'm going to go with what I think is going to happen. If it lands two or three on the hell with it, then I'm going to go against what I think is going to happen. Make sense? We're going to go right ahead. We're going to click this button right now. Checking the browser. We're going to make, us make sure that this is going to work for us. Two out of three says do it. So I'm going to go ahead with what I think is going to happen in this game. The Saints defense has been incredible lately, and Atlanta's defense has been no slouch lately either. I realize, obviously, those numbers are going to be a little bit skewed by the fact that the Falcons only gave up six points, but they should still get credit for the fact that they only gave up six points to what's been a fairly decent offense in Las Vegas this year. I think this game stays under. I think this is more of a defensive battle than people are going to give it credit for. I like under 46 points in Atlanta, New Orleans. Let's go Saints 26, Falcons 17. It's worth mentioning too, in the games that I'm going to do that this way by flipping the decision maker coin, it's because there's either no strong lean one way or the other in the stats or in my capping, or there's a strong lean one way that then gets counteracted by a strong lean the other way. So in situations like that, I'm going to leave it up to fate. Let's go to Chicago now where the Bears are going to be at home playing host to a Detroit Lions team coming off of a pretty embarrassing performance on Thanksgiving. 
Now, on the plus side, that does mean the Lions are going to come into the game with the benefit of a little bit of extra rest on the long week. But, uh, man, they've lost two games in a row. They've only won one game in their previous five, currently sitting in the basement of the NFC North, looking up but just barely at the team they're playing this week in the Chicago Bears. Chicago 5-6, and six, losers of five consecutive games after starting the season 5-1. and one. I mean, look, we all knew... The Bears were not good enough to be a 5-1 and one team. We all knew that the Bears kind of skirted by the skin of their teeth. And the fact that they brought back Mitch Trubisky, excuse me, Mitch Trubisky for their game last week, I had a pretty good feeling about how that game was going to go. And wouldn't you know who won the pony? That's the way the game went. So is it still Trubisky? Is Foles going to be ready to come back? Do they grab somebody else as a third quarterback? Really interesting situation happening right now in Chicago. Again, losers of five straight games. They have not been good in this division, but neither have the Lions. The Lions have not won a division game yet this year. It is just painful to watch that Chicago Bears offense play football. It's awful. Whether it's David Montgomery running the ball for two yards in a cloud of dust, or one of their quarterbacks desperately struggling to complete a pass to anyone whose name isn't Allen Robinson. This is just a bad offensive team. And don't get me wrong, the Lions are a bad offensive team too. Why I'm going to lean on the team to win the game that I'm going to lean on is in the fact that the other team, not only are they a bad offense, they're not generating turnovers. So there's one team here that is deep in the red in terms of their turnover differential, and that's the Chicago Bears. Funny enough, with a defense that plays fairly well, you would think they would generate more turnovers than they do. They really don't. They Again, they're deep in the red in terms of the differentials in their turnovers. So they're not generating them. They're giving the ball up a little too much. And to Detroit's credit, their numbers are fairly even in these terms. They might not generate a lot of turnovers, but they're also not turning the ball over. Turnovers are the deepest, deepest killers, not only in division games, but in close games. That's what I think this game is going to be. I like the Detroit Lions outright here. I like Detroit to go into Chicago and beat the Bears. I have absolutely no faith in Chicago whatsoever. I have no faith in their coaching staff. I think Detroit just fired Matt Patricia. So as we've seen, when a team fires a coach, they tend to win the next game. I think that's happened at least two times this year, if not more. I'm going to lean on the Lions here. Let's take Detroit on the road in Chicago to get their first division win of the season by beating the Bears. Worth noting, the Lions are even money on the road this year at 3-3. So on the line, the Bears are laying three points as the home favorite. Makes perfect sense to me. I like the Lions to win outright, so I'm taking those three points. Worth noting, these two teams are combined 1-5 and against the spread in division games. So... They're one in five straight up. They're one in five against the spread. Something's got to give, but to me, the burden of proof is on the favorite, not the underdog. So we're going to take the points, Detroit plus three. Total in the game set at 45 points. I think this is pretty darn close to a perfect total. I'm going to lean on the fact that the two teams combined in their division games are five and one to the over. Now, granted, a lot of that is against like Green Bay and Minnesota, but this is a middling number. This is a tough one to stay under on. We're going to lean over just by a point or two over 45 points in Detroit, Chicago. Let's take Lions 26, Bears 20. 
Let's go to Minnesota now for a game that almost made it into my platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks this week because I just so desperately dislike the Jaguars. The Minnesota Vikings at home playing host to Jacksonville. Vikings are sitting with an equal 5-6 and six record to the aforementioned Chicago Bears who we just talked about. Their offense is good, their defense is awful, but the Vikings, to their credit... Are, have won four of their last five games. They won last time they played. They've won four of their last five. They've won more games in the last five than Green Bay have. So Minnesota seems like a team that's kind of turning it around, a team that I genuinely think has a pretty decent shot here in the NFC to grab one of those wildcard spots. Now, of course, we know Jacksonville, they're not trying to win. They don't want to win. They're hoping against hope that the Jets win a game so that then it really becomes close as to who's going to get that number one pick. And before anyone comes in my comment section going, oh, they're not trying to lose, you can't look at me and tell me that a team that's lost 10 straight games is trying to win. This feels like it should be a get-right game for a Vikings team that's only won two of their six home games so far this year. But again, a big part of that, and we've been talking about it, is the turnover differential. So Minnesota is another one of those teams that's deep in the red in terms of their turnover differential. Now, you can say what we want to say about Jacksonville, and I certainly will not be shy about doing that, but kind of like Detroit, they're kind of even money in these terms. They might not generate a ton, but they're also not giving up a ton. Or they give up a lot, but they also generate a lot. So Minnesota would be the one of these two teams that would be in the worst shape in terms of the turnover differential. I don't think that makes up enough for them to lose to Jacksonville, a team that, again, except when they're playing Green Bay, apparently, is not trying to win. So we're going to lean on Minnesota here. Let's take the Vikings at home to beat the Jags. On the line, Minnesota's favored by nine and a half points at home. And I realize Jacksonville is a bad team, but man, I, I can't lay that many points on a team that's turning the ball over like Minnesota is. Their margin of victory as a whole on the season, and remember they're five and six, Minnesota's season-long margin of victory is in the negatives. It's negative 1.2 which is understandable, they're under 500. But I can't lay nine and a half points on a team that on average is losing their games. So we're going to take the nine and a half points, even though I kind of want to throw up in doing it, we're going to take the nine and a half points on the Jags. Total in the game set at 52 points. I think this is pretty close to a perfect total, but I'm going to lean on the fact that the Vikings at home have gone over in all six of their games. Six and O to the over at home. So we're going to go over 52 points in Jacksonville, Minnesota. Let's go Vikings 30, Jags 23. Let's go to New York now where the lowly, winless New York Jets are looking maybe, possibly, I don't know, who knows, maybe for their first win of the season. Looking to take that, possibly, maybe, possibly, from the Las Vegas Raiders who again got absolutely embarrassed last week in Atlanta to the tune of, what was it, 412 to negative 3? The Raiders obviously are still far from out of things in the AFC playoff picture at 6-5. and five. They're only really a game back, but they've lost two straight games. The division is a lost cause at this point because it, that, that's Kansas City. So they need one of those wildcard spots, but this is the worst time of year to start, to, again, to not only lose two straight games, but to look as terrible on both sides of the ball as they looked against Atlanta. 
Meanwhile, the Jets are the Jets. What would you like me to glean from a team that has scored 150 points in 11 games? Raiders come into this game on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games, which is something to go against them, and both teams come into this game with a notable injury. One of the few bright spots for the Jets on the defensive side of the ball has been linebacker Blake Cashman. He's had a pretty good season. Pro Football Focus ranks him relatively strongly. Now, he injured his hamstring in the game last week, seems likely to miss a few weeks per a report. Now, a larger injury in this game that could loom very large in this game is running back Josh Jacobs. Sprained his ankle in that blowout loss last week where I think he only touched the ball seven times, ten times, something like that. Didn't touch it very much. He did not return to the game after that happened. His status is uncertain. Devontae Booker could have a ton of fantasy football value in what is, for a lot of leagues, the last week of the regular season this week. So you definitely got to look at him in terms of a waiver wire pickup. I would say the Raiders are impacted more by that injury than the Jets are. But again, the Jets have had... So few bright spots on the defensive side, it just sucks that probably their biggest one not going to be here for a few weeks. Now, if ever there was a get-right game, it's this one for the Raiders. So last week was last week. Maybe you just burn the tape on it. That's kind of how this team has been all season. They've been, It's been very much peaks and valleys for the Raiders. There's been almost no consistency to them all year. So if there ever was a get-right game, it's this one. Let's take the Raiders on the road in New York to beat the Jets. On the line, the Raiders are laying 7.5 points as a road favorite. This is a tough one if it was against any other team but the Jets or maybe the Jags. I would really have to look at taking the points in this one, but I'm going to lay them because, again, the Jets are what they are. They just lost one of their best defensive players. The Raiders, as favorites, are 3-1 and one against the spread this year, so I'm going to lay those 7.5 points, even though that mm, might feel like a bit of a bad play. Total in the game set at 47.5. I cap this so differently than what this total is. I've only got this thing at a high 30, especially where we may not have Josh Jacobs in this game. So where I've only got it a high 30, I'm just going to go with the under and try not to think about it too much. Under 47.5 points in Raiders-Jets. Let's go Vegas 24, Jets 14. Let's go to Pittsburgh now, even though I realize this game has been rescheduled to later in this week. I'm going to do it where it was in the lineup when I did up my sheet. So the Pittsburgh Steelers at home playing host to the Washington football team. Now, Pittsburgh has got an injury situation that they're looking at. Obviously, again, second straight game where there's a significant injury in the running back situation. And the Steelers are going to be coming in on the short week because, again, they're going to be playing this ridiculous game on Wednesday. So there's a number of things kind of going against Pittsburgh in this game. And especially given that Washington, coming off of a win, they are on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games, but they've got the benefit of the long week having played on Thanksgiving. Steelers, again, still just cruising along as the NFL's only undefeated team to this point. Of course, they've got the Baltimore game coming up on Wednesday, so that could potentially change. No one has been able to step to Pittsburgh's defense this year. They're giving up 17 points a game. Like, this is inarguably, I would say, one of the three to four best teams in the NFL. There's no reason why this Pittsburgh Steelers team should not be 
one of the AFC representatives in the AFC championship game. No reason. Anything less is an abject failure for the Steelers. Now, it's great to be in that position, but it's also awful to have that kind of pressure. Washington, meanwhile, right in the thick of things for the NFC East at a whopping 4-7 and seven on the season. They are the only team that is within a touchdown of scoring as many points as they've allowed on the season. And they're the only team, along with the Giants, to have actually won more division games in the NFC East than they've lost. What does that mean? Not a whole heck of a lot considering they're not playing a division rival this week. Now, Washington has won back-to-back games. They've won three of their last five. They're not doing the greatest against the AFC this year, but they do have a win against an AFC opponent. So there are reasons to feel that Washington will keep this game close. As I mentioned, Pittsburgh dealing with their own running back injury, and it's James Conner. So Conner tested positive for COVID-19. He has to sit for 10 days, which means he's almost certainly going to miss this game. And especially given Conner's medical history, the fact that he is a cancer survivor multiple times, I believe, they're going to play it extremely careful with James Conner, as they should. So he's going to sit for those 10 days. I think he'll almost certainly miss this Week 13 game, which means it's probably Benny Snell time for the second straight game. So even though the Steelers do have multiple things going against them this week, I think the fact that Washington's only 1-4 and four away from their own building and the fact that Pittsburgh are one of the best teams, if not the best teams, in the league in terms of their turnover differential like Pittsburgh they're generating a ton they're not coughing the ball up their opportunities are not being wasted and look neither are Washington's Washington's basically even money in these terms but the fact that Pittsburgh is so high up that list like another AFC team we're going to talk about later I think that's enough that's going to propel them to a win in this game let's take the Steelers at home to beat Washington On the line, the Steelers are laying 10 points as home favorites. This was a big one for me, and this was one that I kind of had to go back and forth on because it feels very disrespectful to a Washington defense that has played very well this year and is playing very well in their last four games. Aside from a game three weeks ago, they haven't given up 24 points in any of their games in the last month, and they've had back-to-back games where they've only given up a combined 25 points. So this defense is playing incredibly well right now. It feels disrespectful to lay 10 points on Pittsburgh. But as home favorites, the Steelers are 4-1 and against the spread, and their margin of victory in those games is almost 16 points, more than enough to cover this number. I'm gonna lay the 10 points on the Steelers, Pittsburgh minus 10. Total in the game set at 44.5 points. I only have this game capped in the mid to high 30s, so I don't have it getting to 40. We're going to stick under on this one as well. Under 44.5 points in Pittsburgh, Washington. Let's go Steelers 24, football team 13. Another division game on tap here, the Houston Texans at home coming off of their Thanksgiving Day game, playing host to the Indianapolis Colts. A team that just got spanked by Tennessee. 
The Texans have won back-to-back games and don't look now, but that defense may have figured some stuff out. They're still scoring points. Houston scoring 26 points a game over their last four. The defense has only allowed 20 points a game over the last four and allowed no more than 25. Like, this team is playing very well lately on the defensive side. This is one of the more underrated, more dangerous teams in football right now. Houston should not be overlooked by anybody. Again, they've won back-to-back games. They've won three of their last five. They're playing about as well lately as the Colts are. Colts lost last week. They've won three of their last five games. This is a very important division game for the Colts, who obviously have playoff aspirations. The Texans, who are not completely out of things yet in the same regard, especially if there's a week 18 and they go to eight teams per conference, Houston could still be right there for that number eight seed. If Houston's going to go on a run, it looks like it's starting now on both sides of the ball. Colts also dealing with a fairly significant injury on their offensive line. Tackle Anthony Costanzo sprained his MCL last week. He's likely to miss several weeks. It's also worth noting that their punter, Rigoberto Sanchez, is having surgery this week to remove a cancerous tumor. So all the best to Rigoberto Sanchez. Hopefully he comes back from it stronger than ever. But the reason I mention Rigoberto Sanchez, I don't often mention punters on this show. Sorry, Pat McAfee, hashtag for the brand. Sanchez is one of the best punters in the league. So to go from one of the best punters in the league to either a fill-in or at least a relatively adequate backup, that could loom large for the Colts because the Colts, part of the reason the Colts' defense is so good is because their field position game is so good because Rigoberto Sanchez is elite at his position. They don't have that right now. They don't have one of their really good tackles on the offensive line against a team that is not only knows them very well, obviously, a division opponent, but is playing very well on the defensive side. There's a lot of trouble here brewing, potentially, for the Indianapolis Colts, and I like the upset in what should be a surprise to no one, given how I've talked about the game. I like the Houston Texans in this game outright. I hate what I saw last week from Indianapolis, and it's not just because I had them in my top four picks and they absolutely blew it. I I just, I really don't like what I saw from the Colts last week, and I worry that that's going to be a hangover into an important division game that Indianapolis feels like they have to win. I don't think they get it done. Let's take the Texans at home to beat the Colts. On the line, the Texans are a three-point dog at home. Makes perfect sense to me. I like them to win outright. In division games, Houston's margin of victory is four. So I like them to win this thing outright. I'm taking the points. Houston plus three. Total in the game set at 53 points. Now this is going against how I originally capped this. I only had this thing at like a high 40, maybe getting into a 50. But these two teams combined in their division games are five and one to the over. So I'm going to lean on that and go over 53 points in Indianapolis, Houston. Let's go Texans 28, Colts 27. Last second touchdown wins it for Houston. Let's go to Arizona now for a battle of the NFC West. Cardinals playing host to the Los Angeles Rams. And this is a very important game in the context of this NFC West division. Rams and Cardinals are only separated by a game. Rams at 7-4, Cards at 6-5. Both of these teams lost the last time out. The Cardinals have lost two straight. So they may be falling behind a little bit. They're only a game above the 49ers who won last week. 
Cards certainly have the superior offense. Rams certainly have the superior defense. And the Cards, to their credit, have two wins inside this division so far this year. The Rams only have one. The Rams have been utterly dominant against the rest of the NFC, but both of their losses to NFC opponents have come inside the division. To me, this is just a flat, straight-up pick, and this was one of the games that I looked at and I said, okay, whoever's getting the points is who I'm going to go with. I genuinely feel like this is just this is going to be an underdog matchup one way or the other. Arizona is getting the points as a home underdog. And look, for both of these teams, really, but especially for Arizona, who's now only a game above 500, if they're going to go on a run, I've said it a couple times in this episode, if they're going to go on a run, it's got to start now. So let's take Arizona at home to get a big division win, their third division win of the season, over the LA Rams. On the line, Arizona, again, like I mentioned, three-point dog at home. I like them to win the game outright, but even if I didn't, this might be a hedge situation. The Cards, as underdogs this year, 3-1 and one against the spread, and their margin of victory in those games is a full touchdown. It's seven points. So I'm saying one way or the other, no matter how you like this game to go, take those three points on the Cards. Total in the game set at 48.5 points. I thought this is pretty much a perfect total. And then I looked at these two on the season and they have only hit six overs in 22 games combined. They're 6 and 16 to the over this year. So we are going to go ahead and take the under in this one. Not a lot of money to be made betting Rams, Cardinals, overs. So under 48.5 points. In Arizona, Los Angeles, we're going to go Cards 26, Rams 21. Let's go to Seattle now where the Seahawks, fresh off of that Monday night victory last night. Again, not as impressive as I would have liked it to have been, but Seattle got the job done. Now they get to come home where they are very good and play a New York Giants team that, even though they play in the NFC least, has been playing fairly well lately. Seahawks have won back-to-back games and are a sparkling 5-0 and in games at Seattle. So look, they've certainly been getting the job done at home. They're doing the old Baltimore Ravens trick, and I like to talk about this a lot. The reason the Ravens always used to have seasons of like 12-4, and 11-5 is because they would do their job on the road, by which I mean go 4-4, and go even money, and then win all their home games. Like, their philosophy was always win win your home games, win all of your home games. And then even if you're a little below average on the road, you still got a you know double-digit win season. And that's what the Seahawks are kind of trending towards here. Again, very, very good at home, very, very good against the rest of the NFC at 6-2. and two. Both of their losses coming inside the division. The Giants may well now be finding themselves in the driver's seat of the NFC East. They're winners of three straight games. It's it's kind of weird to think that they've won three straight, but they've won three straight. They're now at four and seven. They're tied with Washington. They've got three wins inside the division. However, they have not beaten another NFC opponent yet this year, kind of like Washington. Both of these teams have stuff going against them coming into this football game. Seattle, the fact that they just played last night, so they are 
So they're on the short week. The Giants, not only are they on the tail end of back-to-back road games, but they are dealing with an injury at the quarterback position. Daniel Jones straining his hamstring last week. They're saying, sorry, not last week, two weeks ago, saying he has an outside chance he could play in week 13. I would imagine that's probably not going to be the case. I would imagine that we're probably going to see Colt McCoy yet again. I think maybe if this was a situation where Seattle was the one that was dealing with the significant injury on their side, or if, you know, Seattle was on the short week and the injury, I may look at this as a potential upset pick. As of right now, I don't think I can take that. I think we're going to have to go with Seattle here. Again, they're undefeated at home. So let's go with the Seahawks at home to beat the Giants. But on the line, we're going to grab the Giants with the points. A full-fledged hedge here. Giants are seven and a half point dogs in this game. The team that I just watched last night for Seattle is not a team that's going to beat this Giants defense by eight points or more. Because they couldn't beat the Eagles by six and a half. So I don't think that is going to happen. Giants are a better football team. It's also worth mentioning that the Giants, as road underdogs this year, have not lost against the spread. They are 5-0. So we are going to take the 7.5 points on the New York Giants. Total in the game set at 48.5 points. I only capped this thing at the high 30, maybe getting into a 40. And on the road, the Giants are 1-5 to the over this year. So let's lean under 48.5 points in New York, Seattle. We're going to go Seattle 23 Giants 17. Let's go to Los Angeles now where the Chargers and their terrible, terrible play calling play host to the New England Patriots who, hey, that was one of my better upset picks from last week. Patriots over the Cardinals. Worked out. Let's see if they can do it again. An abysmal lost season for the Los Angeles Chargers despite the fact that they've got a pretty darn good offense and look like they have the quarterback of the future in Justin Herbert. And it's so funny because this is a matchup of Cam Newton for the team he did sign with playing the team that I thought he should have signed with. I was very much on the Cam Newton to the Chargers bandwagon to give Justin Herbert the opportunity to kind of sit on the bench for a year or sit on the bench for a while anyway and just sort of learn the NFL game. I thought, well, Cam Newton's a better option than Tyrod Taylor, so why wouldn't Cam Newton go there and play with, you know, what are a couple of really, really good receivers, better receivers than he has in New England. Of course, that didn't work out that way, and I think for the Chargers, even though they're 3-8, and eight, They're certainly happy with the way things have worked out at their quarterback position. Justin Herbert having himself a hell of a year. Now, Justin Herbert certainly can't do it all. And uh, he can't help the fact that this Chargers team is just snake bitten. Like just perpetually down to their cores, snake bitten this team. The Patriots picked up a win. Three wins in their last five games. They're at five and six. They're not out of this thing as, as as much as like dedicated Patriots haters desperately want them to be out of it. They desperately want the Patriots to be the Jets. Like if you could flip those two, there's a ton of people that would be like, oh, Patriots 0-11, oh God, hook it right to my veins, that they'd be so happy about that. But the reality is this Patriots team still has a shot. They've been getting the job done at home. They've sucked, sucked out loud on the road. Chargers dealing with an injury and not a small one on the defensive side. It's in the linebacker core. It's Denzel Perryman. Now, he injured his back 
X-rays on his back were negative, so it looks like he avoided any kind of significant injury, which is, of course, always good news. His status is uncertain for this game. If he's not able to play, now obviously they have linebackers that can step up, but that could open a few more running lanes for Cam Newton and who could result in Cam Newton looking a little bit more like Cam Newton. This game opened with the Chargers being two and a half point favorites. Right now, this is a straight pick'em. This is just a straight up pick'em game against the spread. I, I'm going to go with the Patriots here. The Patriots have much more to play for right now. And I don't know how invested the Chargers are in playing spoilers, quote unquote. I, the Patriots are the far more desperate team and they know they're not out of this thing yet. If anybody's going to do it, if anybody's going to pull this team back... Is Bill Belichick. So we're going to go with the Patriots here on the road in Los Angeles to beat the Chargers. That would be just the second road win for the Patriots this year. So on the line, obviously, I'm taking the Patriots as a pick'em, despite the fact that the Patriots on the road only one and four against the spread. Total in the game set at 47, and this will be our second uh, decision maker coin flip. So we're going to pop right back over here. We're going to go ahead and flip again. It's going to check the browser to make sure that we're all good. The flip says, do it. So once again, we are going to go with how I feel about this game. I've got this game in the high 40s, maybe pushing a 50, so I think it just barely goes over this number of 47. We're going to go over 47 points in New England, Los Angeles. Let's go Patriots 26, Chargers 24. Let's go to Baltimore now where the Ravens, with the uh, obvious uh, hitch of the fact that they have a full-blown COVID outbreak in their team, and of course will having be having to play this game on the short week where they're supposed to play this game on Wednesday, playing host to the Dallas Cowboys who come into that game with the benefit of the long week, but of course the detriment of being the Dallas Cowboys. Depending on the outcome of the game on Wednesday, if the game on Wednesday is even played, you could be looking at a Ravens team who's either 7-4 and four and in a pretty good position in terms of the AFC wildcard, or a team that's 6-5 and five and have a bit more of a fight on their hands. What I can say is the Ravens have lost two straight games. Lamar Jackson has just not been Lamar Jackson this year at all. Uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown hasn't been Hollywood Brown this year or even compared to what he was last year. They've got Des Bryant up on the team now, which is great. It's great to have another horse, but you got to be able to use them. Ravens have been great away from home this year, but they've been a below average team in their own building. Very un-Ravens-like, which is what we literally just talked about. Ravens only 2-3 and three at home this season. Now look, they've scored 73 more points than they've allowed. That defense is very, very good. And that is one thing we certainly cannot say about the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas sitting at 3-8, and eight, winners of only one of their last five games. They've lost both of their games against AFC opponents this year, and it's worthwhile pointing out the Baltimore Ravens against NFC opponents are 2-0. Look, Dallas in general has just been a turd sandwich this year. Like, look, Dak Prescott getting hurt obviously doesn't help things, but they have Zeke Elliott, and Zeke Elliott's not really doing too much because their offensive line is in absolute shambles. They can't protect, they can't run block, they can't pass block. They also can't hold on to the ball. Dallas, one of the worst 
teams in football in terms of coughing the ball up and not really generating turnovers on defense. If you can't generate the turnovers on defense, you're going to have a bad time against a team like Baltimore. I think the Ravens should win this thing relatively comfortably. I can see maybe a backdoor number here possibly for Dallas, but I think this game will not be in doubt. So we're going to go ahead and take the Baltimore Ravens at home to beat the Cowboys. On the line, Baltimore's favored by a full touchdown. I am comfortable laying those points, basically regardless of what happens in this game with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Dallas as a road underdog, only one and three against the spread, and Baltimore's margin of victory on the season is over this number at 7.3. So we're going to lay the seven points on the hometown Ravens. Now, this game does not have a total. There is This is the only game where, as of right now, there is no total. I only capped this game in the high 30s, maybe pushing a 40. I can't imagine that a total in this game would start with a 3. So given that you're probably going to have a number like maybe 42, 41 and a half, something like that, I still think you stay under on it because this could very well be a game in the 30s. And if Dallas doesn't get that garbage time touchdown, I think this thing stays under. So basically whatever number you get here for a total, I'm going to tell you to stay under on it. I will, of course, update that in the comment section on YouTube and in the description once we do get a number for this game. But let's go Ravens 24, Dallas 16. And the last game we're going to look at before we get to the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for this long episode in week 13 is the San Francisco 49ers at home playing host to the Buffalo Bills. Now, I took the Niners as an upset pick last week, and it certainly worked out. There were six and a half point dogs in Los Angeles and won the game outright. Can magic strike twice or lightning, whichever you prefer. Niners, who have, of course, been absolutely decimated by injuries this season, pulling their record back to 5-6 and six with that win last week. They've been kind of middling for most of the year, but this Niners team is good on the road. They're 4-2 and two straight up on the road this year. They have not really been getting the job done in their own building at only 1-4, and four, but that's okay because they're not going to be playing in their own building for the next couple of weeks because of Santa Clara County. They have banned all contact sports for three weeks or a month or something like that. So this game's actually going to be played in Arizona's building. Niners are above 500 against AFC opponents this year at two and one. Meanwhile, Buffalo in the driver's seat of the AFC East. They still got to worry about the Dolphins, but the Dolphins are still a full game behind them. They won last week, did Buffalo. Buffalo's won four of their last five, and they are also above 500 against NFC opponents at an equal two and one. When I look at the AFC East, I don't think the Buffalo Bills are the best team in that division. Granted, they're 4-0 in the division games, so they've been definitely getting the job done against those division opponents. I don't look at the Bills as the best team in that division. I think the Dolphins are the best team in that division. I think the Dolphins, we'll talk about their game here in a minute, I think offensively, the two teams are pretty well equal, but they're not equal defensively. Miami's got a significantly better defense than does Buffalo. I genuinely think Miami ends up winning this division, and I think week 13 is a bit of a turning point there in that battle. I like the 49ers outright in this game. I'm going to lean on San Francisco at home, quote unquote, but in Arizona. 
I think San Francisco beats Buffalo here straight up. Let's take the Niners over the Bills. On the line, that's a pretty darn close matchup. The Niners are only uh, two and a half point dogs here at home. This is going against the trend of the Niners only being one and four against the spread at home. But once again, like we said, this is on a neutral field. This is not a home game for the Niners. It's technically a home game, but this is almost no different than playing over in Europe. They're playing in Arizona. Sure, some of their fans might migrate up, but with COVID restrictions, who knows whether they will or they won't. And actually, come to think of it, I can't even remember if Arizona lets people into the buildings. In any case, I'm not treating this like a home game for the Niners. I'm treating this like a road game, basically, for both teams. San Francisco's been good on the road. I'm going to take them to win it outright, so I like taking them with those two and a half points. Total in the game set at 48 points, and this will be the last instance of us flipping the coin to figure out how we're going to go. So once again, this is flipping three coins of Todd Redden's decision maker. And if it lands two out of three on do it, I'm going to go with how I feel. If it lands two out of three on the hell with it, I'm going to go against what I feel. And that is what happened. Two out of three landed on the hell with it. So I'm going to go against what I genuinely feel happens in this game. So what I had was I only had this game at like a mid 40. So that would be an under, but maybe where it's on a neutral field and Buffalo's defense, you know, it is what it is. San Francisco's defense hasn't exactly been fantastic all season. So we're going to go against how I capped it and we're going to go over 48 points in San Francisco, Buffalo. Let's go Niners 27, Bills 23. All right, here we go, folks. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 13 in the NFL. We start at the bottom, as always, with the bronze pick, where I am 10 and 2 straight up, only 8, 15, and 1 on the betting picks. If I'm going to turn it around, it has to start now. We are looking at the Tennessee Titans at home, taking on a Cleveland Browns team that not only is on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games, but is dealing with an injury on the defense. Titans, incredibly impressive win last week, moves them to 8-3, and three, now in the driver's seat of the AFC South, winners of two straight and three of their last five. That offense humming along, I'd like to see better performance from the defense, which I, I can sort of say for both of these teams, actually both teams coming into the game at 8-3 and three too. You know, rel relatively similar teams. I'd certainly give the offensive edge to the Tennessee Titans, especially based off of what we saw last week against a very good, or supposed to be very good, Colts defense. Brownies are no slouches here. They're coming into this game winners of three straight, four of their last five. They have put themselves in a really good position here in the overall AFC playoff picture. I mean, the division's not out of reach but i mean pittsburgh's gotta start losing some games if they want that to happen but in terms of a wild card berth cleveland's right there with anybody now as i said they are on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games and they are dealing with actually a couple of injuries on the defensive side ronnie harrison at safety he injured his shoulder he they're awaiting mri results on him he seems doubtful to play this week and also cornerback Denzel Ward, he's still out with an injury he sustained two weeks ago. So that's two important pieces of that Browns secondary who likely will not be playing in this game against a very, very 
good offense. And not only is Tennessee a very, very good offense, they don't turn the ball over. They're generating turnovers. They're not turning the ball over. They're one of the best teams in the NFL in terms of the turnover differential. And that looms large against a team like Cleveland that every now and then coughs the ball up a couple of times. Lately, Cleveland's been doing most of their damage on the defensive side of the ball, aside from the 25 points they gave up last week. They had only given up 17, 7, and 16 in the three weeks beforehand. This offense is struggling right now. They're only averaging 16 points a game over their last four. Now, they do have back-to-back games with at least 20, and they did put up 27 last week to win, so that's good. But if they're leaning on the defense and they're missing those two significant pieces in their secondary, it's going to be awfully difficult for them to compete with a team in Tennessee that's scoring 29 points a game over the last month. I like the Titans here at home in a big way. Let's take Tennessee to beat Cleveland. On the line, the Titans are favored by five and a half points at home. Now, as favorites, Tennessee's only two and five against the spread this year. So I am kind of going against that trend because I am going to lay those five and a half points. Cleveland on the road, they're only one and four against the spread, and their margin of victory in those games is almost in double digits. It's negative 9.4 in their road games this year. So they're not covering against the spread. They're losing games big. It's under a touchdown. I just think Tennessee is going to cover. So we're going to lay the five and a half points on the Titans. Total in the game set at 54 points. I think this is pretty close to a perfect total, but I'm going to lean on the fact that Tennessee is 8-2-1 to the over this year. Let's go over 54 points in Tennessee-Cleveland. Titans straight up. We're going to hammer the Titans minus 5.5 against the spread in a game that goes over 54 points. That is the bronze pick. Let's go Titans 35, Browns 20. My silver pick, which is 11 and 1 straight up, 11, 11, and 2 in the betting picks this year. So it's my only pick where the betting picks are at 500. Sees the Kansas City Chiefs at home playing host to the Denver Broncos. And now we'll talk about, just for a brief second, how the NFL handled the Broncos situation with COVID, which basically was the NFL saying, Hey, Denver, your quarterbacks made this bed. And we're going to make them and you lie in it. I 100% support what the way the NFL handled the Denver situation. Because it's not like the Baltimore situation where there's a full-on outbreak in the team. No. There was all the quarterbacks were hanging out without wearing masks properly. And then one of them tested positive. And Denver, they did the right thing. They sent the video to the league and said, hey... You're going to find out about this anyway, so here's what happened. And the league said, okay, you violated the protocol. Guess what? Jeff Driscoll just tested positive, which means all of your quarterbacks are now potential high-risk exposures, which means they're all going on the list and none of them can play. And Denver did not deserve to be rewarded with postponing the game so that one of their quarterbacks could play. The quarterbacks made the bed. They made the team lie in it. So that I fully endorse and fully support how the NFL handled that situation. Now, Denver will have a couple of their quarterbacks back and available for this game against Kansas City. Is it going to matter? 
Obviously, this is a division game. Anything can happen. But the Chiefs have reeled off six straight wins. They're looking great on both sides of the ball. That offense looks like it can do basically whatever it wants, whenever it wants, especially in the passing game. The run game's leaving a little something to be desired. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not looking the way he did early in the year. Maybe the book is kind of out on him already. But that offense is undeniable. I don't see the Broncos with the defense struggling the way the defense has struggled this year I don't see the Broncos putting up much of a resistance despite the fact that the Broncos do have a win in the division so far this year Broncos will have to go into this division matchup without one of their running backs likely uh Philip Lindsay injuring his knee in the game last week he did not return Vic Fangio saying he could be available for week 13 but that strikes me as coach speak We've talked a lot this week about turnover differential, and this is one of the games where it's two teams going in very different directions. Kansas City, one of the better teams in the league in terms of their differential of turnovers. They're generating turnovers. They're not giving up a ton. Denver, one of the worst teams in the league, coughing the ball up a bunch, not really generating many turnovers on the defensive side. They are one of the teams that's in double digits in the negatives in terms of the turnover differential. I just don't see Denver having anything for Kansas City in this game. Chiefs in a walk. Let's take Kansas City to beat Denver. And I only I would have put this game higher, but I think I picked against Denver with my platinum pick last week. So, you know, I didn't want to do it to him two weeks in a row. On the line, the Chiefs are favored by 14 points. Feels a little bit gross in a pro game, but... In the division, Denver's margin of victory so far this year is negative 17, which covers this number. I think the Chiefs cover it, so I'm going to hold my nose a little bit and take the Chiefs, minus 14. Total in the game set at 50.5 points. I only capped this at a low 40, so I'm going against how I initially capped this game. But in division games combined, these two teams are 5-2. and two. To the over so it's better than 70 percent we're gonna go ahead and lean over on what is one of the lowest 50s you can get over 50 and a half points in kansas city denver let's go chiefs 37 broncos 14 chiefs straight up hammering the chiefs minus 14 in a game that goes over 50 and a half points that is the silver pick once again 37 to 14 my gold pick ran eight and four straight up and eight and 16 on the betting picks sees the Miami Dolphins at home taking on the Cincinnati Bengals in small part 2020 is a little bit of a victory lap season for me because I feel like I was one of the first to identify that hey the Miami Dolphins aren't really playing that bad like Miami's got something here especially on the defense I feel like I was one of the first people to say that genuinely I feel like I was one of the first And they've proven in the interim that that is exactly what they are. The Miami Dolphins are a team that, again, like I said, I think are the best team in that division. I think Miami eventually winds up winning the AFC East. It's going to be close with Buffalo, but I do genuinely think that they win it. They've won four of their last five games, including the last time that they saw a football field. And their defense is playing incredible. Meanwhile, the 2-8-1 Cincinnati Bengals, losers of two straight games. They've won two games in the conference, so they are 2-2 two and two against non-AFC North opponents. So kind of even money there if you're looking for a bright spot. But look, the offense is different without Joe Burrow. Obviously, that defense has been what it's been this year. It's 
one of the worst defenses um, in the AFC, I would say. And I just don't think Cincinnati's going to have much for a Miami team that, granted, doesn't score a ton of points, but their defense is stifling. They might be one of the best secondaries in the league. Also worth pointing out, Miami is one of those teams like Kansas City that does a very good job not coughing the ball up and their defense generates turnovers. Cincinnati going in the opposite direction. They don't generate a lot of turnovers on defense. They cough it up a little bit more than they'd like to. They're in the negative. So one team going one way, one team going the other way. Tough not to take the better football team. That is the Miami Dolphins. Let's take Miami to beat Cincinnati. On the line, Miami's favored by 11 points. That's a really big number. And it's tough for me to take that with an offense that's not scoring a ton. Like over the last month, we got to pop over to my other screen here. Like they're scoring 24, so that's better than they had been. They had been down in like the 19, 20, 21 range. So this is a tough one. I guess I'm going to lay the points I mean, Miami's 3-1 and one against the spread as a favorite. And on the road, the Bengals' margin of victory this year is right around this number. It's minus 11.7. So I think, I guess Miami's going to cover this. It's a second straight nose hold, but we're going to lay the 11 points on the Miami Dolphins. Total in the game set at 42. I only had this thing at like a high 30, maybe pushing into a 40. The Dolphins as favorites are only one and three to the over this year. So we're going to stick under, under 42 points in Cincinnati, Miami. Dolphins straight up. We're going to hammer the Dolphins minus 11 against the spread in a game that stays under 42 points. That is the gold pick. Let's go Dolphins 27, Bengals 13. And the last game we're going to look at is the platinum pick. Eight and four straight up, but only six and 18 on the betting picks, I apologize for making you vomit. The Green Bay Packers at home taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Packers got back on the happy side of par last week and looked like they should be able to cruise to an NFC North title. They're three games clear of the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. Although again, the Vikings have won four of their last five games. So maybe in a couple of weeks, you're going to have to start worrying about Minnesota. However, Green Bay at 8-3, and three, an offensive clinic last week. I would have liked to have seen the defense stay a little tighter later in the game. But look, it was what it was. Green Bay picked up a big win. Meanwhile, the Eagles, who were riding high at 3-4-1, feeling like they had the inside track on the division, have all of a sudden lost three straight games and are just not looking good. Like, the that offense... Jalen Hurts isn't the answer. The answer can't be, well, it's all Carson Wentz. It's not all Carson Wentz. It's the offensive line. It's a, a run game that you can't really establish because of the offensive line. And even if you could, Doug Peterson doesn't seem like he wants to commit to it at all. Seems like he wants to commit to Carson Wentz is either going to win us or lose us these games. And if you can't protect him, because he got sacked a bunch last night by a Seattle team that in general has not been great with their pass rush except for the addition of Carlos Dunlap. Look, I don't know necessarily what the answer is to this, this Eagles team, but I, I can't say it's Jalen Hurts. Philly obviously is going to come into this game uh, without the benefit of rest. It's going to be a short week where they played last night. But the Packers are going to come in with an injury on their offensive line, and it's Corey Lindsley who went down 
in that game last week after having suffered a potential back injury a couple of weeks ago. He goes down with an MCL sprain this time. He was carted off the field. Uh, per reports, he's going to miss three to six weeks, but with a deep playoff run, he could very well be back, and that would be a huge addition for the Packers if they get back to, say, the NFC Championship game. I, I genuinely think this is going to be Green Bay in what should be a cakewalk. Philly, one of the worst teams in the league, like Denver, in terms of their turnover differential. They're giving the ball up a lot. They're not really generating turnovers with their defense. You give Green Bay an extra possession or two, and it's going to be lights out for you. Sorry to say. I like Green Bay here in a cakewalk, a moonwalk, if you will. Packers beat the Eagles. On the line, Green Bay is only favored by seven points. This seems crazy. This number is going to skyrocket if it hasn't already. I got it at minus seven. Fully justified line. The Eagles on the road, only one and four against the spread. And the Eagles with a rest disadvantage. So like they have here where they're coming in on the short week, have not covered yet against the spread this year at 0-2. So we're definitely going to lay that touchdown on the Packers. Total in the game set at 49 points. I only got this thing into like a mid-high 30 because I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to do much of anything on the defensive side. So we're going to stick under 49 points in Green Bay, Philadelphia. Let's go Packers 27, Eagles 10. Packers straight up. We're going to hammer the Packers minus seven against the spread in a game that stays under the 49 points. Once again, 27 to 10. There you go, folks. The picks are in for week 13 of the NFL season in 2020. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. The comment of the week from the week 12 episode, I got to give him credit. I alluded to it earlier in the episode. The owner of the crack on COVID pick'em team in the Bridgewater's finest pick'em pool is also going to get credit for the comment of the week. This is Likey Row on YouTube saying, I was so looking forward to hearing you say crack on COVID as the overall leader, but I guess you had to keep it family friendly with the COC shout out. I replied saying, you know, I thought about it and was like, maybe I wait until my third week with a new affiliate before I start throwing out COVID crack references. Tell you what, though, hold on to that lead for another week and I'll have no choice, Likey, but to acknowledge your greatness. Now, he replied to that eight hours ago, quoting that last part and saying, I think you should check the leaderboard after week 12, stay off the crack and stay off the COVID. I responded this morning saying, hey man, you left me no other choice. Make sure you tune in later today. Yours is the comment of the week, Likey, from the week 12 episode. Congratulations on sticking around as the overall leader. That's the show for week 13, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in, listening, watching, however you consume the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate you like no other. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the great folks at Nerd Tees. Don't forget the Dynasty Trade Calculator, my affiliate link in the description below for the absolute best Dynasty fantasy football resources on the internet. Make sure you check them out. Thank you and enjoy the games in week 13. Hopefully it's a little luckier for some teams dealing with the virus, as they say. And we will see you again for week 14, getting very close to not only the fantasy playoffs, but the real playoffs too. 